you know, five or ten years ago when I was growing up, I used to read books about the very things I now hear spoken of when we come together. Miracles of healing and people being set free and God providing in, in amazing and, and miraculous ways. I learned that when I was involved in, in stockbroking and high finance, that the principles of operation there is this, have I got this too high, Matt, or i just echoing a bit? You're dealing with it, okay. Uh, that the principles of, of making money uh, were very different to how things are in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it's very different. It's a whole different way of carrying on. And uh, I also learned, as I've sought to, over the years, um, help people with issues pertaining to finance and to money, that actually um, you can look at something on paper and you can lay it out, and it's a good thing to do. I don't believe in uh, living in a world where you bury your head in the sand. But that never limits what God does. I mean, I can honestly tell you, the times I've looked at things, I thought, I've no way this person can make ends meet. And then you see what God does, uh, because when we give ourselves over to God, uh, we engage in a supernatural life. God, God does things that we can't do. It goes beyond us and beyond our thinking. We just have to do the thing that God gives us to do. And uh, it's important that we remember that. <clears throat> I was listening, uh, wasn't that great in the baptisms this week? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I reckon you'd pay more to go to that than you would to go and watch... Chelsea or some second-rate team, wouldn't you? <laughs> you don't have to pay, no. It's fantastic. I was listening to uh, uh, something that Dorothy was saying. Do you know what struck me again? There was the things that God gave her to do, and there were the things that God did. And we have to keep focused on that. There are certain things that God gives us to do. We have to do them. And there are certain things we could never do. I mean, that weight of depression and, and troubling of her mind that was upon her, she could not do anything about that. But there were two or three things that God gave her to do. I think it was get up and go out or something like that. Isn't it interesting that God allows us to be involved in his purpose? I was looking during the week, again, at the story of uh, um, Peter uh, from the book of Acts, where the angel comes and takes him uh, out of prison. And it's, it's just really hit me again. And the angel came to him, and he's there in chains in the prison. 
and guards on each side of him. And even then, it sounds a bit hard really, but Peter had to do something. The angel said, stand up. And he stood up. And as he stood up, as he stood up, his chains fell off. He had to do what he had to do. Stand up. Good question to ask. What, what would be standing up in your situation? What would be the thing? And of course you can try and work it out, but it's very difficult. Good thing to do is say, Lord, what, what is standing up like Peter had to do? What, what, is it, what is it you give me to do in this situation? And then, of course, they get to the, the prison door. Uh, the, the angel of the Lord is quite nice, you know, very caring. Put your, put your sandals on in case you don't want to hurt your toes, you know. It's kind, kind of sort of motherly, really, you know. Uh, of course, I don't know what... I mean, if you were Peter, you'd kind of be a little bit surprised, wouldn't you? You wouldn't necessarily be thinking about your toes at that point in time. You know, you've got guards on each side, chains on you, um, and the angel of the Lord appearing. We're kind of, you know, anyway, God looks after us. So come to the door, bolted and barred, but it just opens all by itself. Hmm. Do you have a door that's bolted and barred? Do you have a place that seems impossible to get through? Do you have an obstacle that seems impenetrable? What does God say? (laughs) The word of the Lord in Revelation says, I've set an open door before you. An open door. Not a barred door, but an open door. Hmm. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. Now we're all back together again. Let's carry on about entering and living in the land, this large place that God's brought us into. We looked last week about different attitudes and fears and the good things and the bad things that they could expect and things they wouldn't even expect at all. We also looked at the fact that it wasn't a big deal to conquer the land because they only had to step on it and it became theirs. Well, they had some things to do. But there were two things that we were particularly focused on. I think we touched on one. And that was uh, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, about obey. It keeps on coming up. And we're using this story because there's a, a particular season, a particular thing that God's doing that he's told us about, that he's bringing us into a large place. It's, it's kind of like going into the land. And remember, all the things in the Bible are put there for our instruction so that we should learn and understand uh, wherever we are in whatever time zone. So we are learning from these stories, things that God chose to do. He chooses to speak to us from things that happened a long time ago or stories that happened or... Something that happened this week. He chooses to speak to us through something that he's done for somebody else. And we have the option to say, do it again, Lord. So, have to obey. 
And last week, I'm sure I just covered the fact that, oh dear, must be some rule book that you've got to dig out. Uh, means you've got to go through the small print. No, never work. All we have to do is say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I choose to go your way. Just show me your way. That's all. And after that, we're at rest. He can show us and he can tell us. And that's how easy obeying is. Well, when I say easy, it's very, very difficult. Actually, it's impossible unless God helps us. It's impossible to do some of the things that he wants us to do because it's about changing our, how we are on the inside. I can change how I am on the outside. I, perhaps that Richard November is not very nice to me. And I can change how I am on the outside. Oh, hello, Richard. <laughs> nice to see you. But changing how I actually feel... I can't do that, but God can because we're serving a supernatural God, a God that is over and above and beyond the natural, all right? So he can, I can just say I choose to obey and he gives me the power and the ability to obey. I can choose to forgive and he gives me the ability to forgive, not something that's just kind of smiling sweetly on the outside, but actually feeling different because I am different from the inside. Obeying. We choose to do it and God empowers us. But there's a second thing. And the second thing is about boldness. Joshua chapter 1. In fact, a number of times talks about being uh, bold, courageous, be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey. And be bold. A number of times it says that. In the, um, it's sometimes interesting to go back to the original language in which these things were put. In the original Greek, or that was in the original Hebrew. <laughs> in the translations that we use uh, in the New Testament, and time and again it's, it's repeated about being bold and being courageous. It's important that we understand because otherwise we tend to think, oh yeah, oh, I got, I got, oh man, I've got to pluck up my courage here. Um, i got to... How can I do that? Let me, perhaps if I say praise the Lord a lot or hallelujah very loudly, that would, no, it don't, again, it's not about what, what we do. Two words that basically are translated into boldness and confidence. The first is the Greek word thario. And that, in, its, in Hebrews 13, speaks about our our confidence is in him. It starts off by the fact that, say, we gain this by actually choosing to trust him. This is where our confidence comes from. This is where our boldness comes from. And then we can say with confidence 
the Lord is my helper. Let's just have a little look at that. That's uh, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are, and yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, with confidence, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Very key, very important. So the starting place is coming to him. That's how we receive it. In fact, uh, it's from that place that we can then go out boldly. And the second word that's used, remember the first word is about how we come to him. We come to him with a, a confidence, knowing what he's like. We, we can choose to say, I will rest my future. I will receive what I need from him. So we come to him. The second word is the Greek word tolmeo, and that speaks about the thing we often think about. Not so much the boldness in coming to him, but the boldness in going out. Uh, basically, uh, to go out boldly. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, they took note that these are people that had been with Jesus, that they gained a confidence and a boldness and a courage from having been with him. Again, in verse 31, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That means they had come to God, received with God, received from God, and then they spoke the word boldly. So this is not about trying to kind of pluck up courage. This is about coming to him and receiving from him, confident in the first place that we can come to him and then receiving what we need in order to press on into the land. We receive the boldness and confidence from him as we come to him. Now, just while we're talking about this, we're talking about, again, submitting to God. If you remember, when we looked at this, we talked about the land was described um, as being different to what they were used to. This is a land that requires um, water from heaven. It's a land of hills and valleys, watered by God. Whereas... If you think in their background, in their culture, in things that they had heard about, was basically uh, the land that they had as slaves in Egypt, basically was watered by them. They had control. If you didn't water your land, you didn't get any crops grow. It's up to you. You held the control over your land. Now, interestingly as they come into this phase, and this is what we're seeking to learn, we're learning about obedience, we're learning about boldness, we're learning about how it's to be, 
so that we can fully embrace and receive all that God has planned for this time. This is a place where you give up personal control. Where you give up personal control. This is no longer a little garden that you can water, and if you water it, you grow your plants, you don't water it, you don't get them. Up to you. Now this is a thing, this is a time, this is a season, where there's a dependency on God. You're giving up that personal control in favour of an utter dependency upon God. And yet, God himself features as the as the water from heaven, as that which he will supply. Already we've looked at a land which is rich in his supply. Uh, Our experience is becoming richer and richer in his supply. Whether it's in his supply of healing or provision or change in our our basic um, mindset, deliverance from troubled minds, all these things are taking place. And the greatest thing that's taking place is people are coming not just to know about him, but coming to know him and knowing the joy of actually coming to be part of his family. So, ease of conquering, obedience required, boldness or courage comes from God. There's one more thing I want us to look at about how we receive. It's a very, very key thing. And again, it's quite opposite to how these things operate in this world. It's very strange, isn't it? In this world, you get by kind of, I don't know, uh, gaining or grabbing or whatever... The kingdom of God you get by giving. This is nothing to do with with money. Very interesting. There's a a one chapter letter. The The whole letter just comes to basically one page that Paul wrote to Philemon. And he said this in this letter. He said, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. That is, giving out the good news that you know God. So that, he's going to just say now, what happens? So that you will have a a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. What's he saying? He's saying, look, as you give, as you share, as you tell others of what it is to be part of my family, what it is to be under my lordship, what it is to give your life over to me. As you do that, do you know what will happen? You will gain a fuller understanding of just what it is this great salvation has given to you. As you get, you get. As we part, we possess. As we give, we gain. See, we have to understand that where God takes us is very, very different. Uh, and it's operating under his principles and his way. 
In fact, we truly receive, we truly possess when we give. The kingdom of God is about giving, not getting. That's why a little while ago, I took a bit of time to explain to you about some of these really wrong uh, beliefs, erroneous doctrines that are becoming popular in certain places, uh, which boils down to, I give in order to get. It's kind of reducing God to like a Coca-Cola machine. I put my coin in at the top and I get my drink out at the bottom. It's based on a completely wrong doctrine. But it's also true, completely aside from that, that as we, as we release, you know, remember that story, those of you that know about it, when David said, ah, oh, for a drink of water from the wells of Bethlehem. And, and he's, some of his mighty men who loved him and wanted to serve him, they, they broke through enemy lines just to get water from the well of Bethlehem. I mean, it's a particular taste. It was different to the water we drink in London because it hadn't, on average, already passed through the human body seven or eight times. So it had a different sort of flavour to it, you know. But he wanted that. And he did this amazing thing. Once he'd received it, he saw it was so significant, so precious, that he actually poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He truly possessed when he gave it. He saw the value of it when he actually gave it away. I was very excited uh, when the, the people in Lawrence's church in uh, Zimbabwe recently... Uh, decided that they would give 500 US dollars to uh, Sierra Leone and to the Ebola appeal and what have you. Um, these are people, uh, most of whom who don't work and uh, live on very, very little. I don't know. See, in this world, we tend to measure value based on how much. But of course, God places value on what it costs. And here's a people that were giving an extreme thing. But, you know, that wasn't the thing. I suddenly realized they had reached a new stage when they were into giving. That was a demonstration. It's something that, that is a totally different realm, but it brings us into the realm of the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, talks about the, the, the farmer sowing seed. He, he has the seed and he's got to give it away. He's got to put it in the ground. He can't just make it into, into food. He's got to actually give it. And we see this time and time again as we go through. The um, Bible talks about the uh, ministry gifts that are given for um, developing us, the church. And they're given not to raise up kind of icons uh, or important people. Uh, they're given for that purpose that they are channels and given away. 
We see the story when, when uh, Gideon, uh, in the book of Judges, was there in the, in the wine press. That's a funny story. Uh, there's this guy that's scared witless, and uh, so much so, he's trying to thresh wheat in a wine press, totally impossible, hiding from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, uh, come you mighty man of valor. And he, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> it, there's something that doesn't quite compute here. And of course he responds. And uh, the first thing he does, he gives an offering. He gives. If he's ever going to possess, if he's ever going to give or receive that which truly God has for him, he gives as a start off. Of course, the greatest of giving is in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says that God spared not, gave his only son for you and me. He could have held on to what he had. This is my beloved son. This wasn't, I'm done with this. But he gave. And so through that, ended up receiving all that had purposed in his plan. Before Abraham ever possessed the outworking of the promise, he had to be prepared to give Isaac. Back in the New Testament, the story again, seeking to teach us about this, this giving, and the, the parable of the talents, where uh, the one that said, oh, he's a harsh master, I'm just going to hang on to, the, to what I've got and, and make sure I don't lose it, was hardly commended. It was the one who gave, who used it, who passed out the things that he had. Very, very key. So, how are we going to receive the things that God has for us as we move into the land? Well, we're going to receive by giving. We're going to receive, and I'm not again talking about giving of money, but giving of ourselves. That's why sharing of our, our testimony, what God has done, is so important. That's being prepared to give of ourselves in any given situation. But I want to just take just a few minutes just to rush on a little bit to the, to the next step. So we've covered obedience, boldness, courage, and we receive all that God has when we're ready to give. So, so important that when we, when we hear something or receive something, that we overflow and share to others. Something that's good. Anybody like to hear good news? Yeah? Yeah? Anybody prefer to hear good news rather than bad news? You know that the news media hates you. Because it's bad news that sells. Yeah? But we're of a different, a different kingdom. We love good news. Isn't it good to pass on good news? Yeah. yeah, I was looking at looking here. I'm just seeing young Belshazzar over there. I thought, oh yeah, that's good news, man. 
I'm very happy. You know, this, is, this is him. I was waiting for this. this is, he was baptised. I was waiting for this for a long time. I feel like a new person since the baptism. I wonder why. I wonder why. Because he's a new person. I know I'm closer to God. I'm very committed. Yes. Oh, praise God. That baptism stuff, that's very good. Biblical. The happiest funeral ever. Done with that. That's past. Get rid of that stuff. I'm going to come on to an Old Testament picture. When they passed through the the Jordan, they were instructed to do something. And I'm coming back on the same thing because it's just so, so important that we do this. Uh, I've given up being worried about being repetitive because I've read the Bible and I've found that God is very repetitive. So I'm just being like God, just saying the same thing again and again. Yeah? Eh? <laughs> so they crossed the Jordan and he says now look what I want you to do for each tribe there's 12 tribes bring a big stone and we're going to build a memorial and every so often they would come back to that place to recognise to remember to celebrate this is what God has done I was so thrilled that Laura this morning uh, talked again about Joe. I've never got tired of hearing that story or telling that story. Yeah? We, we, we mustn't ever get tired. It's real. It's living. If everybody that had spoken last Sunday stood up and said the same this Sunday, I'd be happy. And after all, that's what matters, isn't it? So they had to build a memorial at Gilgal. They had to come back time and again to this place, this place of thanksgiving, this representation of what God had done for each of them. But there was something else that happened there. Hmm. Don't sound so nice. Joshua chapter 5. Basically, at Gilgal, this place of memorial, the children of Israel had crossed the river into the land, was a place where God instructed those that had, uh, remember it's uh, the older generation had died, had been in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years wandering around. And he said, all right, This is God, says, you come back to this place and all the men are to be circumcised. Oh, really? Okay. What is that about? Well, he says this. Today, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. The place has been called Gilgal. What is all that about? I mean, there are things we don't really 
difficult to explain. You know, why would Jesus spit on the ground, make some mud and put it on somebody's eyes and they get healed? I mean, if you can explain that logically to me, I wouldn't believe you anyway. (laughs) I mean, there, there are no end of times where there's a commitment to trust him rather than to trust our understanding. Now, these are people that were either children or young. They weren't responsible. You could argue that really Egypt didn't, hadn't really had any effect on them. But God decided that there was something that had been passed through cause it the reproach of Egypt, that sense of shame of being in slavery. Oh, let me say that again. The sense of shame. Shame. Not about forgiveness of sins, but the sense of shame. He said it's a time for that to be removed. Ooh sense of shame there were attitudes there were ways of thinking no no they they hadn't necessarily been in it they they were kind of i don't know depends how you interpret it could have been there as kids but they were hardly responsible for it but there were if you like inherited attitudes ideas Things which didn't speak about the new land that God was bringing bringing them into, but spoke of the old place, the place of Egypt, the place of slavery, the place of bondage, the thing which they were coming out from, that had to be removed. And today, God is still doing the same thing. Of course he forgives our sin. When he forgives our sin, as far as he's concerned, It never, ever even happened. But more than that, he wants to roll away the reproach of Egypt. He wants to deliver us from mindsets, cultural positions, and especially, and I'm hearing God say this right now, especially from shame. God's moment, God's time. Remember, he said, as we sit, we expect to hear God. Inherited attitudes so that we can enjoy and enter fully into what he's prepared for us in the land. Let's just pray for a moment. I'm going to just take a moment because I just feel that the Holy Spirit has just just really highlighted something. This is a time to be set free from shame. A time to be released from cultural things that really are more to do with Egypt than the kingdom of God. Of inherited things. Things that says I feel bad because of, of my 
parents or my people that have gone before me or the reputation. This is a time to be delivered from a reputation that you really wouldn't want people to know about. Now this is your moment. Just tell God now, I want to have that that thing of Egypt removed from me. Lord, as those different ones, just confess it by the way, just tell God now, just speak to God, in the quietness of your own heart, just tell him what it is. Lord, I feel ashamed about this. Lord, I, I don't want to be carrying this attitude or this reputation with me. Now, Lord, we ask that you would completely remove the reproach of Egypt. Now, let this be a time, a time of, of a new internal freedom. We speak against shame. We speak against inherited and received and cultural things that would still hang on even after sins forgiven. We pray, O oh God, now that you would confirm your word with signs following that this day would be a new day, that this time would be a new time, that this moving into the land would be completely a time of freeing from all that has gone on before. In the name of Jesus.